0: Recorded on location at Aspen Ideas Health in Aspen, Colorado.
1: Is there a radical new way to stop cancer and Alzheimer's? And can a new innovative government agency succeed where others have failed?
2: We bring in these technical experts that very clearly see these gaps, and then they they just are, you know, just, Passionate about addressing those. And so, in the case of cancer, it wouldn't be saying, I want to launch a program to cure cancer. I want to launch a program to address digital histopathology, which is, you know, three dimensional analysis
0: of tumors. We're talking today with two highly accomplished people who are playing critical roles in this new effort. They're scientists, uh, they have extensive credits to their names. Renee Wegerson is the director of the Advanced Research Projects Agency for Health, ARPA-H, as it's commonly called. Amy Jenkins is the director of Health Science Futures. There are guests here today at Aspen Ideas Health. We, We are delighted to come to you live as opposed to our often virtual shows.
3: We want um, ideas from across the country, and, and there's a great ideas across this country at a variety of institutions. And we want those ideas brought to us. This is a solution for all people. We're not gonna get to
0: that solution if we don't have all people bringing us the ideas. And this is Conversations on Healthcare.
1: Well, welcome to both of you to Conversations thank on you. Healthcare. Thank you, thank you. And uh, let me start with you, Renee. Tell us more about the Advanced Research Project Uh, agency for health. You got it. I got it right. Oh, my God. I was just sort of there there was that moment. But it's it's about one year old, uh, give or take. And uh, it really has incredible uh, aims in terms of what it wants to achieve. But I think for many of our listeners, it's a new name, new concept, but a bold idea.
2: Yeah. this is really the vision of President Biden. So uh, a little over a year ago, he announced and called on Congress to fund ARPA-H to be a place that we can take these really big bets on health, big audacious ideas to work towards cures in cancer and Alzheimer's, but actually be agnostic and be an agency that could launch uh, a multitude of moonshots for health moving forward. And so a really special part about ARPA-H is there's not a single one of our dollars is aligned to a single disease or technology, but instead we want to really address these big problems in health. And we do that in a really special way through our program managers that come in for short-term appointments to, uh, to really take that shot on goal to solve that problem and then uh, rinse and repeat. <laughs> we bring a, a lot through to, to address those, those problems going so forward. So that's
1: a radical approach, right? That's new to yes. maybe NIH. I'm not Uh, sure. Maybe it will be as part of an independent agency within NIH, but that's uh, who came up with that concept of how to manage new projects.
2: So it's, a, it's not a brand new concept. DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, uh, has really developed the business model of being able to uh, pursue, in their case, uh, breakthrough technologies for national security in a problem-based approach. Uh, but really taking that business model where you give a lot of autonomy to those program managers uh, to pursue those goals. But uh, it's really the Congress that gave us our authorities uh, to, to do special things like have direct hiring authority. So we can hire the experts who wanna solve these problems very very quickly that we can bring in-house um, and a lot of autonomy in decision-making. So while uh, we have been stood up within NIH and we have a wonderful relationship, especially with the, the, the technical world-class experts that work there, uh, we, we bring in their insights to ARPA-H, but, but we're the ultimate decision-makers. We set the timelines. We set those really aggressive milestones because um, that's our unique role in the ecosystem to take these big risks that NIH, that the private sector can't take, um, and then we de-risk it and then it, it leaves the agency. So so that's, that's really this this new piece for us.
1: Margaret, I, I, I just was recollecting, as you said, that you can hire your own agency. We're here at the Aspen Institute, and last night we had this unique opportunity to have three secretaries of HHS, and one of their advice was make sure you get to hire your own people, which I
0: yeah, was I think important. they meant hire and fire your own people <laughs> was kind, of the, kind of the subtitle there. Uh, but you're at this incredibly exciting time, uh, aspirational. The vision is laid out for you and, and such opportunity. Money, of course, matters in these things, and we followed the uh, the progress. I know the president, um, originally, you had hoped a $6.5 billion budget, and in the end, $2.5 billion. Still mm-hmm. a lot of money, but, but tell us, as you think about what happens over these next couple of years, is it enough to launch the kind of work We know it's going to go on for a long time, but it's 2.5 billion for you to really lay out this uh, and carry out this ambitious agenda you've designed for yourselves, Amy, or? I think that the two and a half billion is gonna give
3: us a great start. We've got program managers here now. We have five program managers that are hired. They're on our website. We have more coming every month. Those program managers, as Renee mentioned, are gonna bring in their great ideas, their innovative ideas, and they're gonna ask for budgets associated with those. And of course, we're good stewards of taxpayer dollars. We we scrutinize those budgets. Um, But this two and a half billion certainly is going to get us a good start on this. And we have program managers that already have some programs. And in this round, one of our first programs was announced just over a month ago now, the Nitro program out of the Health Science Futures office. We're very proud of it, and, uh, and an audacious goal to eliminate osteoarthritis or reverse the effects of osteoarthritis. This is just an example yeah. of some of the things that we'll Which be able is to do. For
1: those of us getting older.
3: If for, <laughs> you don't know anybody that hasn't isn't going to need a knee replacement or a hip replacement in the future. We haven't mentioned, you know, haven't met anybody out there that says, oh, we don't need osteoarthritis reversal. So this is a good example of the types of things that we'll be able to do with this with this funding and in, with these program managers as they come on board.
0: And these program managers, if I can uh, just ask, I went a little bit uh, exploring on this, content experts, specialists in the problem or experts in the management of a research project to get to a certain end? or both both yeah Yeah. program
3: managers tend to be a very unique um, type of person a very unique personality we ask for both the personality and the idea Mm. so they need to be technical experts in their realm they need to understand this field they oftentimes are practicing physicians or practicing uh, professors or have been in industry for many years they understand the gaps um, in the healthcare system And they also have a real passion and a drive to push and motivate people. That's one of the most important things that a program manager does. Hmm. And I think maybe it's some of those little less than tangible, uh, less than scientific. Can you motivate a community to go out and do something that's audacious that they've never considered doing before? Do you have that personality? The example that I'll use in our Nitro program, our first program manager that launched that program, Dr. Ross Urich, he's a he's a surgeon and he's dealt with many people and he's replaced joints. Sure. And he said, you know, I could do this for the rest of my career or I could try to fix the problem from the source.
1: Renée, you started off talking about the, the audacious nature, and I, I was thinking about how President Biden originally said that, it, w- which was completely doable to cut cancer rates by 50% over the next 25 years. That is a lofty, lofty, unaudacious goal. Do you think you have the resources to do that? And I know you're probably trying to level set. What are the expectations for right. the, the general public? Maybe talk about what you think might be realistic to look at and. Uh, Uh, And yet uh, the president has been such a great champion and spokesperson around the issue around cancer uh, that he's dealt with on a personal level. Uh, And obviously this is something Americans are, and everyone around the world is very concerned about as well.
2: Right. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, it's very personal for the president, obviously, yeah. personal for myself as well. I lost my mother to cancer. And, and to so we uh, we know that there's a lot left to do. And there there isn't going to be, uh, I think, one cure for cancer. There's right. there's there's so many different types of cancers. And the way you should think about arpa in this context is, uh, again, as Amy said, we bring in these technical experts that very clearly see these gaps. And then they, they just are, you know, just passionate about addressing those. And so in the case of cancer, it wouldn't be saying, I want to launch a program to cure cancer. I want to launch a program to address digital histopathology, which is you know three-dimensional analysis of tumors, using AI to help accelerate diagnostics and then make that accessible from you know bridging from the the innovation that happens in a research lab all the way to the clinic where that that gap is it's not closed today. And so so in a three-year investment let's say it's up to the program manager to set these timelines but like how can I set this goal to get Get to that uh, you know seamless diagnosis and delivery of that data into the clinic, and then everything that needs to happen that in that three years. And so across the moonshot objectives, we're we're looking for opportunities for ARPA-H to uh, that we know with our investment, it's so high risk that if we're right. successful, it's going to to just like change the state of the art. And so um, you know whether that is looking at screening or uh, surgical interventions is an area that that we 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 think there's some opportunities yeah. there. For example, um, that's where we're really going to to make those those big shots on goal. And
1: when you're hiring somebody for a three year, is Mm -hmm. there a KPI that they, are there deliverables that they have? And I was thinking uh, like investment firms, they didn't get there in a year and a half. They're sort of gone. What's the what's yeah. the strategy? So
2: so it's uh, just like an investment firm. It's a portfolio yep. approach. So um, first, uh, my approach and Amy's approach to developing uh, you know our offices and our program managers. We have a portfolio of problems that we want to solve. So mm-hmm. uh, this year we have um, a goal that we've set for ourselves to hire twenty program managers. Those should be in twenty totally different areas. Wow. Uh, technical experts. So you maybe we have a surgical expert. Maybe we have an osteoarthritis uh, surgeon on staff um, all of those folks are relevant and and also help I think create um, just you know create the imagination for the public to say okay I, I get it now what arpa yeah. is is going to be about now then inside those programs um, so ross for example who is who's launching this nitro program he has uh, announced how he wants to get to a solution in five years in the clinic and he's he's asked the performer community is what we call the people that we fund to say bring me your idea of how you're going to get there so he won't prescribe a solution um, and then he's going to select um, several teams, and then it's up to him. He's he's going to set those metrics and milestones and measure them. And as the manager of that program, he will divert resources if he needs to. He'll double down in places where, yep. where he needs to. And so that's that really active program manager, being a good stu- steward of taxpayer dollars. But um, at the end of the day, maybe not all the teams make it uh, to, to that final solution, but he's always driving towards that. Wonderful. And I, I'll, I'll actually I, I'll invite Amy to share, uh, you know, Failure's okay too and what, what that could mean
0: for yeah. our page.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think related to, to what you were saying, Renee, one, th- one point I do want to make is that um, we look for audacious goals. We're trying to really change and, and be very revolutionary. And so on the, the idea of curing cancer, you know, we want to look at very defined problems right. because when you define the problem, then you can define the end goal. So that's what, you know, you may take a chunk of the goal towards curing cancer and work on that one defined problem related to, uh, you know, maybe surgical outcomes as, as Renee mentioned. And so uh, we also, in the process of defining those goals and thinking about what the future holds and how we could be revolutionary, we want to take risk. You don't change the world if you're not risky. Um, but we also want to have some successes. I will I will point to a former program manager that I worked with at DARPA. He said that if you don't invent the internet at DARPA, you get a B. You don't get. And I give him full credit for that for that uh, for that quote. But it's true. We still want successes, yeah. even though we're being very very risky. And so we look for things called um, successful failures. Yeah if we are looking for the 100% goal and we only reach the 75 the program writ large, the metrics may not have been met, but the 75% goal actually might be quite
0: revolutionary and still change yeah. the world.
1: Yeah, that's great.
0: Well, I know uh, you referenced DARPA and we know you both served there the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Like Mark, I'm trying to make sure I get, <laughs> that, get that whole name in there. Um, and we now know, and I think it's widely known, that DARPA was about creating the internet and GPS, which I'm very grateful for being directionally <laughs> challenged. But I don't recall ever hearing about that while it was in play. And I'm wondering as you design ARPA and have the freedom to be a little more creative, are you going to be more like Francis Collins and the All of Us Project where from the very beginning of that 10 year uh, project, they have made sure to be widely communicating with the American people and with the people it was most likely to impact and wondering what's that balance? Are you, do you have an active strategy or one of you in charge of that strategy for really letting the American people know what are the projects that you're working on and why should they care? about this, which of course might translate into why should they be supportive of additional funding. Tell us about your thinking and strategy on that.
2: Yeah, maybe I'll kick us off and then right. and then hand it hand it off. So um, what's really unusual about ARPA-H, maybe when you compare it to DARPA, um, our customer base is so much larger, right? right. It's all Americans right. and, and right. probably the whole world, in fact. But even if we just focus on all Americans, that's a huge audience, right? And from pediatrics to geriatrics, and rural and urban. And so we we really thought a lot about how do we how do we reach those patients because we we're, we're here to you know build this bridge between innovation and getting this to the American people. Our mission is to accelerate better health outcomes for everyone, and so really take that to heart, that everyone piece. And so there's two things I kind of want to mention. Uh, one is we we got a little bit creative and we did something called the ARPA dash. So we have a prize authority and we we put a um, just a, a small $15,000 prize just to solicit ideas from the general public. So it could be uh, my kids, you know, submitting an idea, but also, you know, serious researchers out there. What are the types of ideas that, that ARPA H should be working on? And so we did this as a bracket style challenge launched in the March timeframe uh, and and, uh, and, and so every week we did a little bit of a down select to get folks um, voting on these ideas, um, but we were training the public to think in the ARPA model. So uh, we have this set of 10 questions called the Heilmeier questions that frame every problem. So it's, what are you trying to do? What's the problem you're solving? Um, how is it done today? What's new in your approach? And those three questions we made everybody who submitted an idea uh-huh. uh, answer great. those questions mm-hmm. so they understood that we we're different from, so you know, to directly answer, are we yeah. gonna be like the Francis yeah. Collins model? No because yeah. this is how we, we address it. Um, and then they asked them to provide a piece of evidence of why they thought now is the time to make this investment because there's a patent or there's a paper that shows this as possible. Or there's a new company that's working on that. So that was one fun way, I think, to uh, really engage the public yeah. and, and get them thinking the, the way that we are we, and we're, we're thinking about future ways to continue sure. that engagement. Um, the second is uh, Congress in their infinite wisdom has given us uh, three geographic sites for arp but only 210 employees. So uh, there isn't any one office or three offices that really represent um, all American geographies that we want to serve. So we kind of struggled with this a little bit. How are we going to really reach all Americans with such a small footprint? So we've decided to actually use this as an opportunity to launch um, a, a hub and spoke network, where we oh. can have three hubs, but each hub really is is tasked with recruiting like 50 state level spokes where we can, if, if, if there's a new osteoarthritis program, which there is, that is, is launching a clinical trial that needs to address a diverse population, um, which is a requirement of the program that it can't just be a clinical trial, it has to be one that's representative of the diversity of patients. We can lean into this network to actually get those people enrolled in clinical trials and accelerate those health outcomes. So by design, we're trying to build this in. And the way we've been describing this is uh, yes, the internet came from DARPA. It was called the ARPANET, the original four yep. nodes. That was So this is the ARPANET for health. And so this is a connection of people, of institutions to, to really come together and, and serve arpa And so that's our latest sure. experiment. But I'll, I'll, I know there's other ways we're reaching out, so I'd love to hear. Well, it, I, I, and I we, about it. we
3: absolutely want um, people to know what we're doing. So uh, unlike DARPA, we don't we maybe have that mystique and we don't want that You mystique. don't have defense, in front, right, have defense <laughs> in front of it. Although DARPA was very open as well. We want to be very open. We want, frankly, we want patients, we want advocates, we want right. doctors, we want healthcare providers to be talking to us so that we know what the problems are. We don't want to do this in a bubble in a, in a building in Arlington. Um, we want to ensure that we we know what the problems are and we will go out into these communities. We have what we call uh, PM excursions. And so the PMs will go out and immersion experiences, they'll they'll spend time in these communities so that they understand what the problems are and so that they can think about what their next program might be. You know, is it osteoarthritis today, maybe it's something completely different uh, tomorrow. And so we want I, we want those interactions. The other thing I will say is that um, while a lot of folks say, you know, you, you mentioned how DARPA invented the internet and did all these things in GPS and we didn't know about it. Um, you know, I don't know that DARPA knew about it when they were doing That's it. Right. You know? they, they didn't know what, what, sure. what this was going to become. And so a lot it's of a the point. things that we're, we're funding and that were the advances we're making, we may not see the, the fruition of that for for 20 or 30 years, but we're laying the seeds um, particularly in the Health Science Futures Office. That's really our our, our goal in this ecosystem is to lay those scientific and technological seeds so that we have these great advances in the future. And so you may never, you might not even know that the imaging device that's gonna be used on your grandchildren and my grandchildren was a seed that we laid in the Health Science Futures office uh, in the next five years. Well, that's
1: great. Margaret, I so much like the idea of the prize. I'm a Trekkie. And there used to be a tricorder prize. So, you know, you may have to sort of think about am I going to do a Sheldon Award or something for young people (laughs) to be thinking about that? But I want to just pull the thread on the issue around communication because it's not only the American public, but you have Congress. Right. uh, And you have a change in Congress that has happened. You've got some people who voted for uh, this legislation. Uh, and yet had reservations about its location in NIH. What's the general communication strategy around Congress? Because this is such an important program. We don't want it to be, uh, we want it to be bipartisan. And I'm sure you want it to be bipartisan as well and why that hub and spoke model makes sense. What's happening on the hill around this? What do you need to do? You're both knee deep in the let's produce something, but you also have uh, responsibilities to make sure Uh, that Congress and the government is supportive.
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, we didn't have our authorities when I walked in the door. Yeah. And so uh, it was a little bit of a risk taking the job because as you, you heard in the panel last night, there's certain things you want must-haves for, to, for being successful. And so uh, the first three months that I was at ARPA-H, I spent a lot of time on the Hill meeting directly with members yeah. and their teams and just letting them know, you know, when, when I'm not here and you're in a room and you're talking about RPH, these are the things that you cannot compromise on. And, and here's why. Sure. And uh, I, I always had listening ears for every member that I met. Met, regardless of where they were from and, and what party, and at the end of the day, everybody wants RPH to be successful. Yeah. They may have a slightly different vision and passion for for what they they hope that that we invest in, um, but it's it, health is universal, right? We, we yeah. all struggle with it. We all want there to be better solutions, faster solutions, and so it's really leaning into that common thread that we all have and figuring out how can we bring everybody to the table. And I and I do ask every member uh, what is what specifically what does success look like for yeah. RPH, and I uh, what a learning opportunity for me. So, you know, speaking with with some folks in rural areas, really just like addressing substance abuse and and, and how do you address that? Others very passionate about cures for cancer, which Mm -hmm. which makes absolute sense. Others making sure that marginalized communities are brought along and that we don't, you know, generate another million dollar gene therapy um, coming down the the pipeline. And so, you know, we, we take all of those nuggets and make sure as we make investments in those areas to let them know, hey, we're investing in these areas that you care about. Here's how, you know, our growing portfolio. And so it's been it's been a great conversation moving forward. Um, everybody does want ARPA-H in their, in their district right. or their state. Um, and so what we really are emphasizing is like it, ARPA-H is everywhere. If we're doing our jobs yeah. right, ARPA-H is everywhere. As we launch new programs, Ross just had a proposer's day um, in uh, Minnesota. And so we, we Minneapolis. So so really trying to get out there and engage communities um, and have a presence is, is so important. Can
1: I just pick up on the yeah. issue of marginalized population? Margaret mentioned uh, Francis. Francis Collins' work on all of us, and it's a program that's near and dear to our heart. We're we're, uh, part of the uh, IRB development uh, for that. And um, you've got so much data out there, but it doesn't relate to all of us, right? right? And you're looking at this, if you're a program manager, you're looking at information that might be about uh, a white population uh, and not really a diverse population. Again, just your thoughts on how how you might be addressing that and the lens that people look through in that is so clouded by scientific data that is leaning in one direction, not leaning forward.
2: Yeah, so a few concrete things. I'll come back to this ARPANET for Health that we're establishing across the country. Uh, what I didn't mention is that there's a, a data layer. There's a data commons on top of this to address exactly the problem that you're talking about. So whether we have an osteoarthritis program or a surgery program, we want to make sure that we are we are collecting all of the data that represents truly all of us. Right. Um, because we, we want to usher in these, these new AI yeah. technologies. They're going to be incredible to, to, to healthcare, but, but we need to make sure that the, the data set is reflective of the American population, and so um, we have we have fantastic experts, data experts. That that um, one of them, uh, Dr. Um, Dr. Jen Roberts, leads our Resilient Systems office, who is helping really think about how do we make these data fabrics. It's hard work. How do we do it in an automated way too, yeah. that non-experts can can also kind of benefit from that sharing of the data. Um, we uh, have a really unique authority that we can reimburse FDA directly, and so we're, we're in discussions with the Commissioner's office and other folks in the in the different centers at FDA of how can we incentivize uh, pre-competitive data sharing, mm-hmm. right? So uh, we heard yesterday about um, repurposing drugs right. uh, to, to cure right. diseases as well. Exciting. Any any drug that gets uh, approved, like how many mountains of data are sitting at the drug company that nobody gets to see? Okay, like how, okay, how do we incentivize like sharing of that data? Maybe we can cure these other diseases. It cures right. right under our noses with something that's already FDA approved, right? So um, we want to be creative about incentivizing that, not just creating some of
3: those those you know technologies, okay. but incentivizing it. I, don't know if you I want think you know you heard it last night and you for anybody that was at the uh, the quick ideas last night, I think we also are are entering a phase where um, whole genome sequencing has the cost of that has been brought down to a right. point where the genetic therapies and, and things that are going to specifically target genes, we can actually uh, have the specificity to target genetic populations and to ensure that the therapies that we're developing actually will work in all of the populations. Um, they may need to be slightly tweaked um, just based on different genetic backgrounds, but that will be a, certainly a, an important push for us at our page.
0: Well, I don't know about you, but I'm getting very excited hearing about all this. We also, (laughs) um, among the many things we do, we have a research institute, uh, the Weitzman Institute, uh, which is set up to focus on research with special populations and the underserved populations. But as you're uh, speaking, I'm I'm thinking about all the tools at our uh, disposal that we didn't have even a few years ago, Um, the statewide health information exchanges, which Connecticut Mm -hmm. uh, has achieved as well, the all claims databases, the the database that was developed off of the uh, COVID vaccine. Uh, whole project and, and nationally made available. And there are more and more atypical groups engaged in research, right? I imagine the Harvards and the Yales will all be right there with their ideas, but increasingly there's the people engaged in community participatory research, the community mm-hmm. health center network across the country is engaged. Uh, it seems you've really got your work cut out for you, reaching out to all of these uh, groups. And I'm wondering, is it two plus 20 people fanning <laughs> out across the country? Tell us more about how people can connect in with this mission, people who are engaged in research today, but it may not be the bench science that they have typically associated with NIH. And to NIH's credit, they've also been really expanding their view.
3: I'm happy to jump in first. Uh, So I I have been going out to meetings across the country, and, and really uh, wanting people to focus and wanting people to understand that. I actually had a question in an audience one time that said, are you interested in proposals from, from academic institutions that aren't on the coasts?
1: And I was floored, <laughs>
3: I was Interesting floored way as I stood in North Carolina, I, I, in, in, in Western North Carolina, um, I was floored that of course, and actually I think we take it very, very seriously. We do want, the coasts are great, I grew up on the coast, educated on the coast, but we want um, ideas from across the country and, and there's great ideas across this country at a variety of institutions. And we want those ideas brought to us. This is a solution for all people. We're not going to get to that solution if we don't have all people bringing us the ideas. So so we have an open broad agency announcement where people can submit their ideas. Just three pages. So these are for the researchers of the the community that want to bring us their ideas. You know, please bring us those ideas. What's that website they go to? Uh, It's at (laughs) arpah.gov, arpa-h.gov. And you can say, uh, work with us, or I think it's engage. And right under there, it's a very clear link to to our, our open broad agency announcement, please bring us the ideas from across the country. We're, we're taking that very seriously. We want program managers from across the company that re- country that represent diverse backgrounds. Um, we are, are actively going out and seeking out these populations in, in, uh, meetings and meetings and engagements across the country so that we can bring in program managers that represent the entire population and bring their ideas to us. So if you're a program manager and you say, wow, this sounds great, but you know this isn't typically uh, you know, the kind of job I would consider, please, again on dash arpa-h- arpa-h.gov there's you know there's the um, apply now you can you can see some some videos about what it means to be a program manager and put in a very quick application we'd love to talk to people because we want to bring that that diversity of opinions
1: well you seem like you're open uh, to all ideas uh, across the country and that's so great and Renee maybe talk a little bit about the four focus areas were those Congress developed or internally developed or sort of jointly and
2: yeah, so uh they were um this is one of the privileges of being a director is, yeah. is uh you know taking taking in insights and perspectives from a lot of places so it was a, a lot of listening. I do want to emphasize what 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 Amy just said, you know, kind of people that are gonna be great leaders at ARPA-H and great program managers yeah. have to be good listeners. You, you can't just assume you know the ideas. So it was a little bit, uh, the White House, even before I got there, had listening sessions, listening to the members of Congress, but um, also ha- having just come from the private sector, I also understood what are areas that are kind of ripe. If we were able to have further investment at ARPA-H, I know there's gonna be somebody to pick it up on the other end, yeah. right? That, that is, there's not, like DARPA has the Department of Defense is gonna be the advanced developer of like missiles and weapon <laughs> systems. There isn't that thing for med tech and health, tech right so so we have to make sure that that we, we we are putting them out into the world in a way that they can be picked up and sustained by somebody else and so the four focus areas that we've aligned on health science futures um, which is more of the fundamental research of what what are the fundamental proofs of concept that don't exist yet maybe they're just on the back of the napkin mm-hmm. today that we can show that are possible uh, scalable solutions this is really you know reaching all Americans where they're at no matter what so about during the pandemic, we literally use the U.S. Postal Service to deliver antigen tests. Like, you know, not a lot of tech innovation in there, but it's like the brilliance of of bringing a new capability to get to more people. How do we scale that? How do we even scale manufacturing uh, in a cost-effective manner? That's what we're thinking of scalable solutions.
1: We are very excited. that you're in the leadership positions and look forward to c- continuing to follow your work. So thank you so great. much. thank you so much. Thank, really you so much. thank you to our audience you. for joining thank you. us today. Amy,
0: Renee, thank you so much for joining us today thank and you. for sharing thank your you. audacious goals with us. Great. Appreciate thank it. Thank you Thanks so much. Thanks That's very great. much. Wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Best of luck. Yeah. This copyrighted program is produced by Conversations on Healthcare and cannot be reproduced or retransmitted in whole or in part without the express written consent from Community Health Center, Inc., the views expressed by guests are their own, and they do not necessarily reflect the opinion of conversations on healthcare or its affiliated entities.